This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. Amen, amen. You can take out your digital device or your Bible, and we're going to jump into the Word in a moment in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you are on campus, it should come up under the Version Bible app under Events Impact. should be the first one that you see, and it is Impact Gwinnett. If you cannot find it, you can put that in, and uh, we'll be blessed. I don't know who turned off the heat in Georgia this last night, but you need to get it back on. Good God Almighty. So last week we kicked off and talked a bit about the power of gratitude. And how many of you know gratitude is is a powerful thing in your life? It really is a powerful thing in your life. And as I was preparing for today's word, I began to think about when we first got to Atlanta, if you heard our story, we came here, I don't know if it was a Tudor or Fordor, a Dodge Shadow, it was a 1990 Dodge Shadow. Two? Oh, Jesus. Mm, worse than I thought. And, um, but when we got here, it was the only car that we had, and we had a long trip back and forth to Austell. And when the car broke down, we were stuck on the side of the road. On I-20, didn't have a friend or a foe in Atlanta. And um, we had a two-year-old in the car with us, and there was no cell phones back then. How about one of the ladies that worked on my job up in Still saw us over by 285 in, in with Snap Finger Road on the side of I-20. I don't even know how she saw us over there. Pulled over and took us home. We had just started working there. The kids didn't even come back, I don't think, to school. It, we were brand new. And, um, but we knew we needed to get a different car. So we got, in, we got another car, and, which was a stretch. I think it was a Mazda 626. And um, one Friday, Pastor Mona was going over where we lived off of South Deshaun to, to the Publix. They had just opened up not that long ago, actually. And um, I was at home watching you know, both of the kids. And I get a phone call saying, your wife was in an accident from a stranger. Now, y'all know what happens when you hear that. Your heart just drops. I didn't know what his next words were going to be. And he seemed like he paused forever. He said, your wife is okay. I said, well, thank God. Well, the car, she was fine, thank the Lord. The car was totaled, which is not a big deal, but the car was totaled. And what I know about that is when the car was totaled, even though it was a new car, when it was totaled, it was worth less than it was when we drove off that lot with it. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's a thing called depreciation that the minute you buy a new car, like the minute you drive off the lot, if you pay twenty, well, I'm, if you pay forty thousand dollars for that car, by the time you drove off the lot, it's probably worth thirty-five. I mean, it, it depreciates like that, and the longer you have it, the more it just depreciates. And and so we found ourselves with a total car that had that was upside down. We were upside down because what that means is that. The insurance company, if you haven't been in this situation, the insurance company is only going to pay you the 35000 but you owe forty on the car as an example, right? And so we were upside down. And as I was preparing for this message, I said, oh, this thing just hit me. 
that some of us are upside down in our relationships. That when we first started, when we first drove off the lot, it was here. You know, when you first started, she was your ride or die. But now it's just getting by. Y'all ain't going to say nothing this morning, but I need, I need a praying church this morning. When you just started, you just loved her, just loved her, loved her. Now you tolerate her. Depreciation. You couldn't wait to be around him. You loved Johnny. Was there. Oh, Johnny, John, Johnny could do no wrong. Now he can do no right. Depreciation. Couldn't wait to have kids. Oh, I can't wait. You just dreamed about having kids. Can't wait to have kids. Couldn't wait to get them into your house. Now you're counting down when you're going to get them out your house. Four more years, you're going to be out. Depreciation. Thankfully for us with our car, we had purchased what's called gap protection. And gap protection, what gap protection will do for you is if you owe 35000 if you owe 40000 but it's only worth 35000 and 30000 gap protection will pay the difference to pay the car off. It will close the gap. And I want you to understand this morning, you're going to find out this morning, that gratitude is your gap protection in every relationship. So whenever you see a gap between husband and wife, between parent and child, between child and parent, between sibling and sibling, between aunt, uncle, grandparents, friend, foes, co-workers, group members, wherever you see gap in that relationship, you're going to find out this morning that gratitude is your gap protection. That if you learn how to walk in gratitude, you can close the gaps that you have in your relationships. Because we all know somebody, we've seen it, even when you don't even know people, you can look at them and say, wow, you know, you'd be at a restaurant, and you know, you're minding your own business like I do, observing everybody else. They don't even talk. They don't sat down and even say hello to each other and then say goodbye and just ate and left. You look and you say, did y'all ever have anything? But you can see the gap. We all have relationships where we see gaps. We all people around us that when we, even as I talk about this, you not only for yourself you may see, but you may see it around you. And every relationship is capable of depreciation. I would even argue that every relationship is either going up, that was down, but either going down or up. So I want to show you this morning how you can bring some change to that in your life. Are you all ready this morning? All right, so let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9. As I study, this is the first time I know this is the first time I'm preaching out of this because I saw stuff I've never seen or heard, and hopefully it'll help you this morning. Paul says, I, Paul, call to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And our brother, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, M. Sosinese. That's how I knew I didn't. Yeah, I said, this is a brother I don't ever remember reading about. I'm sure I read this text. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm just giving you, that's the prelude to the letter. This is a whole letter, and he's kind of giving you, you know, dear so-and-so. This is the whole bit there. And this is what he says. 
I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm till the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Somebody shout, God is faithful. Yeah, God is faithful who has called you into his fellowship or into the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let's just, I want to give you just a bit of context so you can understand what Paul is doing in, in this relationship between him and in the Corinthian church. So you should know that Paul is writing, y'all heard the book of Ephesus before, Paul is in, in Ephesus and he's writing, he's, he's, he emailed Corinthians, how about that? He emailed the church at Corinth. And Paul has a history with the church at Corinth because Paul is the one who planted the church. Paul lived in Corinth, which is a city. He lived in the city of Corinth for a year and a half and he planted a church and we know of that church. As a matter of fact, we know more about the church at Corinth than any other church in scripture. And so Paul writes a letter to them, and, and he even tells them in the letter, we, we find in our 1 Corinthians that 1 Corinthians is not his first time communicating with them, that actually there's another letter that Paul wrote that we don't have to this day that has been lost. And so in his second letter, which is 1 Corinthians, he's writing originally, he, he's going to write them because they have written them back and they had some questions. This whole thing called Christianity and how do I practice Christianity and how does this new church practice Christianity has some challenges and there's some things that they're not clear about. So they go back to Paul and they write him a letter saying, we need explanation on how do we do this and how do we work through these things and tell us more about the resurrection, all those kinds of things. And so now Paul, though, when he's getting ready to write, he gets information from somebody that's been in Corinth and tells them that things aren't going so good in Corinth. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But you should know, not just was the church in Corinth, Corinth was a major city. Corinth was a place that you had to pass through. If you guys are familiar with the Panama Canal, the Panama Canal takes us uh, years ago, or yes, decades ago, people would have to sail around the Americas in order to get from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. Y'all following with me? Corinth was where Panama is. Corinth was a place that they didn't have a canal to go through for boats, so so folks would have to go around. So what they would often do was a very narrow place, but they would get their boats, bring them on land, and take them over across the land and put them back in the water on the other side. In other words, if you wanted to do trade, you had to pass through Corinth. Corinth was a prosperous city. Corinth was a place, it was a financial capital of the ancient world. But not only was Corinth a financial capital of the ancient world, it was also sexually out of control. You can go to modern museums today and see uh, their paraphernalia, I would say, that they had from 2,000 years ago and, and how rampant sexual disease was in Corinth because of how out of control the Corinthians were and, and how they would use the genitalia that you can see today that they would pray to the gods that they would have relief from their sexual diseases. You see where we're going? We're not staying there, but I just need to understand the state that, that the Corinthian church was in. Scholars tell you that if you want to have a good idea what the Corinthian church was like, it would be the combination of New York City on a bad day, Los Angeles on a bad day, and Las Vegas on any day. <laughs> Debauchery and sin would be a good way of describing 
the city of Corinth. And, and typically what we see when we look at the churches and in the scripture and hopefully what we would like to think of churches today, but not always the case, typically the objective is that the church would influence the city. But what we find from the rest of Corinthians is that the church did not influence the city of Corinth, but the city of Corinth influenced the church. So everything that was going on out in the city was also happening in the church. And so Paul is writing to a church that is plagued with division. Paul is writing to a church that is tolerated sexual sin. He's writing to a church that would partake of the Lord's Supper and have hate in their heart. And not only just partake of the Lord's Supper and have hate in their heart, they would partake of it as a meal just to eat, not recognizing the body of our Lord. They had disorderly worship uh, services. And so sometimes we hear people say, you know, the Bible says that women are not to speak in the church, not to teach in the church. Have you heard that before? So if you don't know the context, then you take stuff out of order. But what was happening was different. Actually, the men were sitting on one side of the church, and the wives and the women were sitting on the other side of the church. And so they might say something like, honey, I disagree with what he just said in the middle of the church service. All right, Mary, sit down. We'll talk about it later. And they would go back and forth. And so it was disorderly conduct. And then somebody would pop up and say, the Lord gave me a word for the church. I got a prophecy for the church. And they would come up and prophesy. Then the other one would say, no, 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 I got even a better prophecy. This is what the Lord is saying to the church. And so he would say, "Mm -mm, sit down, be quiet, one by one, two by two. So what happened was you had a church that had spiritual gifts. You had a church that had, had the Apostle Paul established it, had a lot of things going on, but they were out of order. They liked the government. Some said, I'm of Apollos. We ain't with Paul no more. We were Apollos. Apollos is a mind of God, and that's our man. No, no, Paul is our man of God. And so the church was divided in government. They were divided in many things, but they were united in their sin. And so Paul is writing to a church that is plagued with problems. It's supposed to be the light, but it's walking in darkness. That's a gap. They're supposed to be sanctified and set apart, but they're in sin. Somebody shout, that's a gap. They're supposed to be living holy, but they're living unholy. That's a gap. They're supposed to be Christ-like, doing their best to exhibit what Christ would exhibit, but they are copying the world. That's a gap. Come on, somebody. And Paul is now writing this letter. Do you understand how bad that, you know, if you've seen a church that wasn't meeting the standard, that makes the church you're thinking about look really good right now. Do you understand how bad the Corinthians were when Paul is addressing them? You see that? Yes? No? Okay. I need to make sure y'all see it. And so... (laughs) And so what's so interesting is knowing all of that, knowing that there's a man in the church, because this is in the book of Corinthians too, let me, I just need you to really understand how bad it was. There's a man in the church, it's so bad, that a man in the church is not even challenged by the fact that he's sleeping with his father's wife. Do you understand how rampant sin was in this church? How deteriorating it was? And you would think, I would have thought, that the Apostle Paul would have came on the scene and said, yo, I taught you better, now what are you thinking? And it's so interesting 
that that's not what he does. He says something that nobody would have suspected that he would have said. You ready? He says it this way. After hearing all of that, after hearing how much sin they were in, after hearing how much disunity they had, after hearing about their pride, after hearing about their ego, after hearing about their infighting, he says, I continually thank God for this church. Oh, you missed that. Whoa! I'm on my knees daily thanking God for the church at Corinth. Thank you, Jesus, for the church at Corinth. That's probably not what you would have said. I'm sure that's not what I would have said. But Paul says, he says, I always thank my God for you. Just, I need you to let that just come on. I, I stop regularly, continually, all my knees saying, God, thank you for the church of Corinth. In spite of the headache that it's given me, thank you for the church of Corinth. In spite of the heartache that it's given me, thank you for the church of Corinth. In spite of the gaps that I see, thank you for the church of Corinth. And you want to know why he was able to do that? Because he's not focused on the gaps, he's focused on grace. He's focused on grace. He says, I thank, I always thank my God for you because of his grace. Given you in Christ Jesus. And I realized as Paul started a letter, the tone that he chose, he could have gone one or two ways. He could have focused on the gaps or he could have focused on grace. And guess what I found out? That every day in every relationship you're a part of, you, we, each of us have the opportunity to choose whether we're going to focus on the gaps or whether we're going to focus on grace. Woo, Jesus. When your husband doesn't do what he said he would do, you can focus on the gap. Or you can focus on grace. Mm. When your wife doesn't come through for you the way you thought she should, you can focus on the gaps or you can focus on grace. When your child is in school but they're not living up to their potential, you can focus on the gaps or you can focus on mm -hmm. When you're co-parenting and that negroid get on your last nerve. Can I just... Mm-hmm. You can focus on the gaps or grace. And when you join a church, you can focus on the gaps, oh my God, or on grace. In any relationship, you can focus on how far they have to go or how far they've already come. Each of us have an opportunity to choose. This is an illustrative picture that I put up. Some of you may have seen it before. I showed it years ago, but it's worth taking a look at it right now. There we go. Uh-huh. So what do you see? Somebody said, I see a young lady. What y'all see? Y'all can yell out, we ain't in Corinth. Y'all can say it. An old lady. A young lady. Which, which is it? Oh, is it a young lady? Is it an old lady? 
I think y'all are a little schizo. It's both? How many see a young lady? Put your hands up. How many see an old lady? Put your hands up. How many see two ladies? Put your hands up. Who doesn't see two? Put your hands up. All right, so if you look, I'm going to show you what it is, then we're going to go on. Look down where her, her whatever blouse or shirt is. That little bottom part is the chin of an old lady. You see it? You see it? Okay, look up higher. You see where that little thing is down underneath the hair? That is her eye of an old lady. Everybody see an old lady? Yeah, you see it? You turn it the other way, that's the ear of the young lady who's facing that way. See it? Here's what this means for you. In every relationship, you have the opportunity to see what's ugly or what's beautiful. But you will not see both at the same time. So as long as you focus on ugly... Every time you show up, when you go back home, would you go ugly? But if we would just shift from the gap and start seeing grace, when you re-enter those spaces and you re-enter engaging conversations and you meet up for Thanksgiving, you don't have to see ugly. You can see what's beautiful in their life. Because gratitude focuses you on grace instead of gaps. That's your first feeling. Gratitude focuses you on grace instead of gaps. You know why? Because they're both always there. Oh, Jesus. Because what I found out is you're never going to find anybody perfect. Which means in every relationship, there's always going to be a little bit of ugly. Oh, my God. But it's not all ugly. There's always something beautiful inside that relationship. Typically. So gratitude you, causes you to focus on grace instead of gaps. As a matter of fact, you should know that gratitude and grace come from the same word. And so the reason why we struggle being gracious with people is because we struggle giving gratitude for them. Grace, graciousness, gratefulness, they all come from the Latin word gratia. And they all mean the same thing, essentially. So the more you can express gratitude for someone, the more grace you will have for them, and the less gaps will be between you. So let me explain that, because I know some of y'all are going to be struggling in a minute, or struggling because you're like, well, they, they, they still didn't fix this? And they, y'all, anybody feeling that way in your spirit, spirit this morning? We're going to hit that in a minute. Just, just let me focus. Come on up. I know you didn't ask. Come on up. Why you come up that way? Shortcut. That's the problem with you. You always taking shortcuts. Take five steps backward. Mm. And see, I expected you to go around and use the steps. But it looked like every time we're around other people, you like to show out. I don't know if you need the attention. I don't know if you just think you're all that or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? And frankly, it's like getting under my skin. You know what I'm saying? So I got a few brothers in the back of the church that might, you know what I'm saying, after, after church. But, you know, we're going to keep it holy because it's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. But you know what? You do get on my nerves on Monday, Tuesday. Take four more steps back. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, mm, 
Saturday, we don't really deal too much with you, so I think you'll probably be all right. Now, we started off pretty close. Right now, there's a big gap between us. Because I thought he would have taken the steps. I expected you to take the steps. I'm disappointed with you because you didn't take the steps. Now, there's a lot of other things that he did do. So, in real life, he was on time this morning. Mm -hmm. In real life, he helped me carry a few things this morning. In real life, he asked me, what, did you, what do I need this morning? So, I have the opportunity to focus on the area that I'm disappointed, the area that I'm let down, the area that you failed me, or I can shift and focus on grace through gratitude by saying, God, thank you for Eddie today, God. Thank you for him being in place today, God. Thank you for him being faithful today, God. Thank you for him having a servant's heart today, God. Thank you for him walking with me today, God. Thank you. For See the goodness in his life. And the more I do that, although he didn't change, I'm closing the gap on my side because I'm grateful in my heart and it changes my perception from ugly to beautiful. Now I can't go beyond over here because there's work that he's got to do, but I've done my work. Because gratitude is the work of the heart. Gratitude is the work of the heart, and it requires me to make a choice on where my focus will be. Will it be on the gaps because of disappointment? Will it be in the gaps because of expectations? Or will it be on the grace of God that I see working in his life? And Paul says, if I got to choose between gaps and grace, I choose grace. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, this, this, is, this is big. Because the first thing that gratitude, because some of y'all thinking, but, but, they, but he ain't changed. It wasn't for him, it was for me. Yeah, Jesus. It was so that I change. Because I, what, I, what I recognize about human nature, when we're not grateful and we don't have gratitude, we're negative. And when we're negative, we're critical, we're cynical, we're doubtful, we're fearful, we're insecure, but when I'm grateful, it shifts me from being critical. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? So Paul says, I think, always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Always. I'm always looking. And you need to understand that when he's saying that, he's not saying that in their presence. He's saying that in their, he's in another place daily on his knees saying, thank you, God, for the Corinthian church. Because what he's doing is the opposite of what happens when you buy a car and you drive it off the lot. When you buy a car and you drive it off the lot, it goes through depreciation. But what Paul shows us here is through gratitude, we can walk in 
appreciation. So depreciation reduces the value, but appreciation raises the value. So you can go home today and you can walk in gratitude and appreciate your husband. You can go home today looking at your kids that ain't perfect and say, you know what, God, I'm going to give gratitude and thanks to you. Even though they're not perfect, I'm going to thank you for my children and you can raise their value in your eyes. You can even go into your job tomorrow and shout into the job you can't stand and say, God, I thank you because even in that I see your grace. I don't like the job, but you know what? It's paying my bills. Thank you, Lord. This, I think we think that we should wait for perfect conditions to be grateful. I'm going to be thankful, Lord, when he finally gets his act together. How many of y'all know? It may be a long time for you to say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, we often wait for people to get, you know, to get it all right. They got to get 100 in life before we can thank God for them. Knowing that we don't have 100 yet. You say, what about this sin? What about the unrighteousness? Oh, he's going to deal with that. Let me be, let, let's be sure. Corinthians is, I think, 16 chapters long. This was just the beginning. He's going to spend the next 16 chapters dealing with how they need to move forward in their lives. But before he does that, before he even mentions a gap, he's going to focus on grace. Grace. He begins to tell them, in verse 5, for in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. Remember in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I have all knowledge so that I can whatever, whatever. He's referring to this idea that the Corinthian church had surpassed so many other people in their knowledge and information and, and their ability to speak. And whether it was speaking naturally in oration or whether it was speaking in the spirit, it didn't matter. He knew that they had surpassed so many others. He says, he says God thus confirming our testimony of Christ among you because Paul went there and preached the gospel and they were his converts. And he says Christ confirmed. Christ confirmed what we preached among you. He says, not only that, but you don't even lack any spiritual gift. He said, he said you don't lack any of them. He said, you, he said, you got the gift of prophecy. You got the gift of tongues. You can interpret the tongues. You got a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy. You got the study of spirits. You have the ability to heal diseases by the touch of your hand. He says, I've given you all these different gifts. He says, God has shown his grace to you. And I am trusting that God, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. What he's saying, real simple, is even though it's not perfect yet in the Corinthian church, even though they're carnal and they're supposed to be spiritual, even though they got a long way to go, he stops and says this. He stops and says, I can see despite where you are, I can see where God is working in your life. And I want you to write that down, see where God is already at work. Watch this. Despite human weakness, we got to stop and say, where is God working in this person, even though there's human weakness? Where is God working in my life, even though there is human weakness? Where is, where is the evidence of God's grace on this person's life? Because gratitude sees where God is working, despite human weakness. 
Could you imagine if you just stopped every day for the person that gets on your last nerve? Y'all yeah, know what I'm talking about. As a matter of fact, some of y'all faces popped up. Your last nerve. If you stop every day in prayer, not even necessarily talking to them at first, but just in prayer, thanking God for them. Just think about that for a minute. If that person that has disappointed you, if you thank God, because with gratitude again, gratitude is giving me the opportunity to see the beauty. You know, some people, even in their dating, you know, we watch different shows, what have you, and just watching how people date and listen to people's stories. I was listening to one person. Every time they date somebody, it only lasts for a month or two, and you ask the person why, and they're like 40 years old. You ask the person why. They said, it's real simple, because I always find something wrong. You might as well stay home is what I wanted to tell them, but I knew they couldn't hear me. (laughs) And while there is something wrong with everybody, quite frankly, when you learn what the most important things are, there's a lot of things that aren't as important as you may think that they are. And when also, when you learn that, you also recognize that what a, where a person is right now is not necessarily where they'll be in the future. I get tickled sometimes when I go on social media and I see people that grew up with me. And, I, you know, you can kind of pick up when people are, they, they think highly of you. Can't you? <laughs> Maybe it's me. Maybe they got a big head. I don't know. But I looked and I said, huh, that's interesting because you wasn't interested in me when I was in high school. Oh, y'all felt that one. You didn't want to date me before I was dating her. Y'all ain't going to say nothing on that one. I was in the cool club back then. But now if you could be around me or you could hang with me or you could be, you would have chose me now, but you didn't have the eye of grace to see beyond the gaps then to see where I was going. And you need folk in your life that can see beyond even your gaps and show some grace. And I need to be the person, and you've got to be the person to see beyond the gaps and see grace. A woman in 1981 goes up after a concert of some sorts in D.C., goes to a gentleman, and she's, you know, all broke up, and, and the gentleman is, is amazing. He's an amazing singer. He just sung a, a wonderful song and before crowds and, and just starting off singing gospel music. And um, as he comes off the stage, she taps him on the back of his shoulder and, and, and says, do you think you would have some time for a person like me? I want to ask you some questions. He said, I would. He invites her to his home, and he and his wife spend hours pouring into this, this young lady and speaking into her and begins to tell her, you're going to go further than you think. You're going to be impacting millions upon millions of people. Today, you know her as Oprah Winfrey. The first gospel show Oprah Winfrey had was around 1987, and she had him on her show, Whitney Phipps. She had him on the show because he spoke into her life. You don't know where people are going. And we've got to be able to see beyond the gaps in people's lives. That doesn't mean that they're not there. They're there. But particularly in the relationships that God has put us with other people, we've got to be able to see beyond those gaps and be able to see the grace that where God is already at work in their life. And I'm going to close. I was waiting for that. <laughs> 
You say, but, but what about them? You know, it's just like, you know, I don't want to reward, you know, negativity with positivity. They need to change, and, and if my child needs to do better, and your child does, and they do need to change, and we all need to change. But what I can tell you is, that's so wonderful about it is this. Paul knows something about himself. Paul knows that he's writing to a church plagued. Somebody say, say plagued. Plagued with sin. I mean, like, this thing is so rampant. Just think about COVID, how quickly it spread, right? Just think about it like that. Plagued with sin. And instead of calling them sinners, he calls them saints. Because he knows something about the blood of Jesus. And he knows something about the grace of God. He knows that it was no good thing that I have done. That had it not been for the grace of God, there go I. That if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side. Because Paul will be the first person to tell you, when it comes to sinners, I was chief amongst them. But it was grace. But it was grace that delivered me. It was grace that changed my mind. It was grace that changed my heart. It was grace that changed my direction. It was grace that it changed my eternal destiny. He understood that as a sinner, I was chief. But thank God for grace. And if grace can change me, grace can change you. So that person that got some gaps in that relationship, that has some gaps, just understand, if he can change me, he can change you. If he can change my heart, he can change my spouse's heart. If he can change my heart, he can change my child's heart. And just in case, just in case, y'all come on up, just in case they didn't know for sure, he says, oh, by the way, Let's go back to the beginning of the letter. Because, you know, I don't know if y'all know, Paul couldn't see very well. He was really, really poor eyesight. And he says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Sosthenes was the person who penned the letter. Paul spoke it. He wrote it. Paul couldn't see good enough to write the letter. Listen to this. Sultanese is only mentioned one other time in scripture. And that's when it's in the book of Acts when Paul first went to Corinthian, to Corinth and Paul first started preaching the gospel and Sultanese went into the temple to have Paul arrested and have Paul beaten. And here is Sultanese now delivered. Here is Sultanese now transformed. They know Sophonies because he's one of them. He was a Corinthian. And Paul says, we're going to write a little letter to you because if, if you don't believe that God did something in me, I didn't grow up in Corinth, so y'all don't know me, but God did something amazing in my life. But you know Sophonies, and you saw what he did to me, and you saw how he tried to stop the preaching of the gospel, but he's the one that's penning the letter right now. What I know about a God who rose from the dead is that there's nothing too hard for God. You can't give up on your wayward sons and daughters. There's nothing too hard for God. You can't give up on your spouse. There's nothing too hard for God. And you can't give up on yourself. 
I remember I shared this story, but I remember and this is still very real to me. I remember when I was early in my walk in Christ, I don't know how I came to this conclusion in my immaturity. I said, Whoo, man, there's just three people. I just, God just can't save them. One of them was a girl I worked with, and she had already been in a Christian. She had moved to Islam. She left Islam and went to something else that's New Age. I said, mm, she ain't going to come in. Then there was a crazy lady that lived across the street from me. Crazy. I could do a whole service literally on the crazy lady. Anybody that drive up and down the street at 90 miles an hour in a residential area, and the whole neighborhood runs in the house and closes, slams the doors and the windows, and when she gets tired, she runs to her garage with her car. You crazy. That didn't just happen once. Been anywhere. And the last one was my father. I said, I just didn't, I didn't see how God could save him. It was years later after every one of them got saved. That the Lord said to me, why not? I saved you. The person you think that cannot be reached. The person you think that's too far from God. Let me tell you something. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. The grace of God. I have been left that job that I worked at, and I get a phone call. We were living in New York, and the girl says, I saw you at church today. And she said, the particular church. I said, we don't even go to that church anymore. I said, you didn't see me, see me there today. And then I stopped and said, wait, what were you doing at church? on fire for God. The woman that was a little crazy, functionally crazy, Brandon was dedicated at, I guess, two years old, and um, she had gotten saved. She was at his dedication saved. And my father got transformed, saved him and then transformed him in the late 90s. There is nothing that God can't do. So I don't have to transform anybody, and I don't have to change anybody. But if I can just give God thanks for them, even some of you, yeah. You may, sometimes as you get older, and you, I hear it all the time, people come to you and they may say something about their parent, that there's something that the child wanted that when they were growing up, the parent didn't give them. And then as an adult, they're disappointed or they're bitter. And so you have the opportunity to either see the gaps between what you thought they should have gave you, and what you actually got. But what I can tell you is if you just start giving God thanks for what you did get. He was emotionally unavailable, but he gave you a roof. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. But she didn't do so and so and so, but she did the best that she could do with what she had. Gratitude will close a gap in you and bring healing in your life. Would you stand on your feet this morning? I want to pray with you this morning. And um, yeah, let's, let's pray this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your awesome work you're doing in our hearts and in our minds, in our lives, God. Thank you that there's so many things that we could complain about. But when we stop and think about there's so many things more that we should be grateful for. 
Lord, I'm praying for us that we would see your grace in all the areas that there are gaps around us, in every relationship where there's gaps. Show us your grace. Show us where you're, you're already working. Show us, Lord, the beautiful things that are so easily overlooked. Shift our focus, God, that our hearts would be right, that our hearts would have peace, God, that our hearts would be healed, and, Lord, that we don't have to control anybody else, Father, but we can allow you to transform them. God, it will give us the patience that we need and the diligence that we need to endure until you transform them, Father God. Lord, help us to be like Paul, not to give up on people, particularly those that you're working in their lives. Help us to see you, Lord, and your grace in them, Father God, even when it seems you're far from you. Thank you, God for the grace that's been extended to us. Thank you, Lord, for the change that's been in our life. Thank you, Lord, that we're not perfect yet, and there's gaps, God, but thank you for grace. We extol you, we bless you, and we're so grateful for it this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen.